Amen. God is good. God is good. And thank you, Jeremiah. You did great today. And he a blessing. Amen. Amen. Anybody that calls me infamous, I'm going to give them a hand. There we go. Um, one time, we were sitting at a, a um, restaurant table. It was inside. And we noted a couple, older couple, uh, in their latter years, sitting in a table across from us. And we couldn't help but notice that the entire time we were there, they never said a word to each other. Not a word. Nothing. Now, they weren't staring at their iPhones either because they didn't have any. But it was so cold and non-communicative. And we remember thinking this, if it's this way in a restaurant, it's probably this way at home. Isn't it funny how you can be under the same roof but still be home alone? You can be under the same roof and still be home alone. Yeah, just because you're under the same roof doesn't mean you're communicating. It doesn't mean you're relating. It doesn't mean you're getting to know one another. No, you can dwell in the same house and still be islands, not bridges. And that's the picture that Jesus presents to us in the story of the prodigal son. Uh, and we're going to read the second half of the story of the prodigal son today. And I want to just give you part two, the last, the last time I'm going to speak on it, of the series Home Alone. Because we have three people, three males, a father and two boys, who are under the same roof, but they're home alone in some really important ways. So let me just start reading at Luke 15, verse 25, where we're not going to read about the runaway son. We're going to read about the other son, because he's a trip. He's something, right? I don't know if I'd rather be on vacation with the runaway or with the elder brother. I think I'd rather be on vacation with the runaway, because the elder brother is a fuddy-dud, but let's read about him. Meanwhile, now I'm reading out the Living Bible here because it's, it's a story, so it's easier to understand. Luke 15, 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. Now, this is when the younger son has returned home. The father's throwing a big party for him. And it says, when the older son returned home, he heard dance music coming from the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. The servant replied, your brother is back and your father has killed the calf. We were fattening and has prepared a great feast to celebrate his coming home again unharmed. He made it back safe and sound. All right. Verse 28. But look at the older brother. Look at his reaction. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in the house. He's throwing a temper tantrum. He's pouting. And he won't even go in the house. And so they go and they tell the dad. And the father comes out and begs him to come in, verse 29. But he replied, I love this, all these years, I can almost hear a violin. All these years, I've worked hard for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, <laughs> you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Everybody say, oh. All right. Verse 30. 
he continues, yet when this son of yours, notice not my brother, this son of yours, have you ever noticed your, when your kids are in trouble, right? When they're doing great, it's my daughter, my son. But when they mess up, your son, right? And so look what they're doing here. Uh, the, the, the elder brother is doing the same thing. This son of yours, when he comes back after spending your money on, uh-oh, prostitutes, I mean, he's really, really opening up the wounds here. You celebrate by killing the finest calf we have on the place. The father responds, look, dear son, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But it's right to celebrate. Everybody say it's right to celebrate. Celebrate what? Celebrate what? Forgiveness, because why? For he is your brother, and he was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and now he's found. So you ought to be celebrating, right? But we're going to talk about why the elder brother could not celebrate. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you for this powerful parable that you've given us. We thank you for the truth that is in it. Thank you that this is going to wash us and cleanse us, and edify us, and give us wisdom, and change us. And Lord, I just thank you for your blessing on the Word of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's going to be good. Amen. Now, I've called this little series Home Alone because, as I've said, the household that Jesus presents is comprised of three people, three characters, but they're, they're all home alone in some very important ways. Now, the father in the story, of course, represents God. It's a picture of God. He's good. He's kind. He's benevolent. He's giving. He's merciful. He's just about everything you would want a dad to be. Amen? I can't think of anything I don't like about this father. He's the father I would want but he's alone in the house because his two boys are going in very different directions from him under the same roof. The younger son, the story lets us know, soon becomes a runaway rebel and goes into the worst kind of sin, literally ruins his life, destroys his inheritance, goes into the world and just sells out to sin. That's the younger son. And then you have this elder brother. And the elder brother is in the house, but he doesn't share the father's heart. He's not anything like the father. So you got him alone too. The father's alone because the two boys aren't anything like him. Uh, nobody believes or feels like the runaway son. Nobody has the rebellion that he does, so he's alone. And the elder brother, we see, cannot rejoice with the father, cannot enter into his joy, cannot understand forgiveness, and cannot understand mercy. And so he's alone too. They're all islands living under the same roof. Happens all the time. God doesn't want it that way. God wants us in our house to relate, communicate, get to know one another, love one another, and he wants unity in a home. I said he wants unity in a home. He wants unity between spouses. Doesn't mean you have to agree on everything, but you love the same Lord. You're walking in the same direction. 
and you're doing what Jesus taught. Now, all three occupants of this house are under the same roof, but they're living in different worlds. They're, they're, they're all moving in different directions. And so in very important ways, they're all home alone. Now, last week I talked about the elder brother. Today I want to talk about, or about the younger son. Today I want to talk about the elder brother, the one that stayed in the house. He's in the house, but he's not of the house. As a matter of fact, the first thing we see about the elder brother is he's very unlike the father he serves. Isn't that strange? He he serves the father. He's around the father all the time. But the father has not rubbed off on him. He has not picked up the father's values. He has not picked up the father's principles for living. He hasn't picked up the father's spirit. He hasn't picked up the father's heart. He's in the father's business but he doesn't have the father's heart. The younger son is a rebellious backslider, but I'm going to call this older son a religious front slider. Let me tell you what I mean. The, the younger son backslid. He went backwards. He, he, he walked away from everything his father had ever taught him, the values of the household, the beliefs of the household, the integrity of the household, and he went off into sin. He backed slid. But this elder brother, he's front sliding. Let me tell you how. He's in the father's house. He's doing the father's work. And guess what? He's advancing the father's business. So he's going forward in a lot of ways. That's why I say front sliding. But his spirit is very different from the father. Now, now as I go through this, I want you to stop and think. Jesus never wasted a word. He knew that his parables would end up in the eternal word of God. He knew we'd be reading it one day. Uh, he, so when he, when he made up this story to teach principles for living and what we need to understand, things we need to get, he's applying it. He wants us to apply it to our now, to our own reality. He wants it to matter to you and to me. How does it matter to you and to me? I'll tell you how. Because you can be in the Father's house, the church of God. You, you can be a professing Christian. And you can even be in the father's business, but never catch the father's heart. Never be like the father. It happens all the time. Churches are full of people that profess Jesus, but they're not like him. Can I have an amen? I mean, yeah. We can say he's in the house, but he's not of the house. Isn't that strange? He's in the house, but he's not of the house. He's in it, but he's not of it. He's with the Father, right next to the Father, working side by side with the Father, but he's not caught the Father's heart. He's mystified. When the Father forgives and embraces and is restorative and and merciful, he's mystified. He's angered. He's, He's infuriated. The thing about it is he's learned the business of the house. He knows how to do the business of the house like a lot of church folks know how to do church work know how to do church stuff. We understand church business, but I'm going to tell you, there, there are so many churches that though they, they, they know how to do the business of the house, they don't walk in the Father's Spirit. They don't carry Jesus' Spirit. They're, they're, they're more like the elder brother, and that's where I'm going with this today. And, and most importantly for us, he, he shows that you can be in the Father's business and remain unlike him. 
Wow, that's kind of scary to me. You can be in the Father's work and still remain unlike him. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's how you're changed. That's how you bear fruit. You can be in the work of the Lord and not become like the Lord of the work. That's the message of this elder brother. Actually, Jesus taught that you can be in the work of the Lord. Are you ready, everybody? This blows my mind, but this is true. This is what Jesus said. You can actually be in the work of the Lord and never even know the Lord of the work. You can get all caught up in in, in the work of the Lord, the, the work of ministry, uh, religious undertakings, and doing good things for the poor, and even using Jesus' name for this, that, and the other, and never know him. This elder brother This elder brother was right there in the father's house. He didn't leave. He didn't walk away. And yet he's lost in the house. Wow. Jesus said on that last day, many are going to say, Lord, Lord, by the power of your name, we spoke for God. And by your name, we forced out demons and did many miracles. And then I will tell those people clearly, get away from me, you people who do wrong. I never knew you. But wait a minute. They just said, we used your name. We cast out devils. We were in the ministry. How can you say we never knew you? Because the elder brother teaches us you can be in the house and not of the house. You can be right next to the Father and never be like the Father. He doesn't rub off on you. You don't become like Him. You're doing your own thing. Your body is there, but your heart is not. There's a lot of people whose bodies are in church. Now, I'm not talking about you. You're here and you look good to me. I'm not pointing a finger at anybody here, but what I'm saying is how many of you know it's true? How many of you ever walked into a church and you could have ice skated to the seat? It was so spiritually cold. And and, and how many of you have ever been in a church where just because you didn't look like them or walk like them or talk like them, you could feel that you were not received? Come on, everybody. Yeah? And Jesus said, when I come back in the second coming and I land on the Mount of Olives and I gather the nations before me, there's going to be a, 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 a group of people, a large group of people, a big swath of people who have been known for being in his work. But he's going to say, I never knew you. I can think of several names I'm kind of wondering about myself. Who I see them, they're all about getting the money. They're all about getting rich. They're all about getting um, powerful or famous. And you you kind of wonder, are are they going to be among them? Now, I, I don't know. Only God knows. But I do know this, I don't want to be one of them. How many of you don't want to be one of them? I don't want to be one of them. No, if I'm in the house, I want to be of the house. If I'm working with the Father, I want to know the Father. If I'm I'm ministering in in His field, then I sure want to act like Him and think like Him and walk like Him and talk like Him and reflect Him. So in Jesus' parable, we see the Father is Christ-like. While his older son is not. And that's the picture here. I'm telling you, that's what Jesus meant for us to get. One of the things he meant for us to get. This should not be us, his church. Let me tell you the will of God for the church. People want to know, what's the will of God? I wish I knew the will of God. I'm going to tell you the will of God. Let me tell you the highest will of God for you and me. Are you ready? Here's the highest will of God for you and me. And if you're a child of God, this is his will for you. 
For from the, I'm reading out of Romans 8, 29. For from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him and all along he knew who would should become like his son. Why did you and I get saved? Because not just to get us into heaven, but that we would become on earth like his son. God likes Jesus so much, he wants him multiplied. And so the will of God, the highest will of God is not some ministry. The highest will of God is not reaching tons of people. The highest will of God for you and for me is that each day and every week and every month and every year that goes by, we become more and more and more like his son. Loving like he loved, merciful, kind, long-suffering, self-control, gentleness, meekness, kindness. And when people stick us with a pen, Jesus comes out. Right? That's the will of God. That's the will of God. That's the will of God. You stick some people, stick me with a pen at the right kind of day, time of day, and coffee comes out. But, but see, God wants us, when, when, when somebody bugs us, when, when we go through a hard time, Jesus comes out. That, that, that every day Jesus comes out. More and more and more and more and more Jesus is formed in us. And if that doesn't happen, then we're in the house, but we're not of the house. Now, the second thing I see about this elder brother is he's all about performance. Everything to him is performance. When he hears about how the father is throwing a celebration for his younger brother, I want you to listen to his words again. Listen carefully, because what he says is very telling. The older brother was angry. He wouldn't go in. He could not enter into the joy of the father. His father came out and begged him, but here's what he said. All these years, now listen to this, I've worked hard for you. And never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. Now watch this. What is he basing his relationship with the Father on? Performance. Performance. Works. Duty. How well he did his job. So his whole relationship with the, with the Father was based on a merit system. Not on grace, not on acceptance, not on love, but on a performance system, a merit system. Now, in our world, we all have jobs, and, and we know that if we do well at our job, that's the way we get promoted, that's the way we might get a raise. And so we're on the merit system in most of life. That's why it's so hard for us to understand real Christianity, because real Christianity is not on a merit system at all. It's not performance at all. It's not how you do it. you're doing your job at all. No. See, he says, all these years I've worked. Now, the, the word from the Greek language translated into this word work is the word that means slave. All these years I've slaved hard for you. So the other brother doesn't even see himself as a son. He see with, with the, the privileges of sonship. No. He sees himself as a slave, earning points. And that's how he maintained his relationship with the Father in his mind. 
Now, the father, we see the way he treated the younger son. The father wasn't about the merit system at all. The father loved those boys. But the younger son didn't receive the love. The older son didn't understand the love because the older son has come to believe it's all about how I do. It's all about whether I jump through the right hoops. It's all how I perform. And see, folks, that's not Christianity. Let me tell you what it is. That's religion. That's religion. In his mind, his acceptance by the Father boiled down to how well he jumped through the hoops. And then I'm accepted. If I don't jump through the hoop, I'm not accepted. I'm not loved. He doesn't love me anymore. And this is not the way the father was. This elder brother was also a deceived son. The younger son was deceived about the far country. The elder brother is deceived about relationship. And what it really was. And who the father really was. And how the father really loved him no matter what. Y'all are quiet today. The elder brother is trapped in hardcore religion. He's trapped in religion because religion, listen to me, everybody, religion always requires acceptance by performance. That's religion. That's religion. That's why Paul hated the Judaizers. You you read in the book of Galatians, he's, he's angry about these Jewish men who are following along behind him. And he would go into a town and he would preach the gospel and people would be saved. And then when he left, these Judaizers would come in and tell the converts, listen, Paul uh, told you part of the truth, but, it, but you can't get to heaven all by grace. No, you've got to obey the Mosaic law and jump through all the hoops that Moses gave. So they mixed religion with grace. And Paul hated that more than anything else because he knew this. It is not by works of righteousness, which we have done. It is not by performance. It is not by our merit we get into heaven. Come on, everybody. No, we get into heaven by pure grace. We get in by grace. We get in by grace, by the grace of God. That's how we get in. Not by anything we do. God could leave us here for a million years, and we would never jump through enough hoops to get ourselves into heaven. It reminds me of another man in, in another one of Jesus' parables. It says in Luke 18, verse 9, listen to this. There were some people who thought they were very good and looked down on everyone else. Everybody say religious people. Because when you live by works and by merit, then it makes you proud and you always look down on other people who are not doing as well. And Jesus used this story to teach them. He said, quote, one time there was a Pharisee and there was a tax collector. One day they both went to the temple to pray. The Pharisee stood off alone, away from the tax collector. <laughs> social distancing in the New Testament, right? He's social distancing, but not because of a disease, but because he thought he was better than him. And so he says, when the Pharisee prayed, I love this. I want you to listen to all the eyes that we're about to read. When, when he prayed, he said, oh God, I thank you that 
I am not as bad as other people. I am not like men who steal, cheat, or commit adultery. You picture him like a peacock fluffing his feathers. He's walking, he's strutting. Listen, listen to what he goes on to say. I'm not like men who steal, cheat, or commit adultery. I thank you that I'm better than this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of everything I get. What a guy. What a guy. Isn't he something? Oh my. How many want to go on vacation with this guy? Oh no, no. Give me the runaway anytime, right? Now watch this. I counted eight eyes in his self-righteous boasting. All of his confidence, notice, all of his confidence is based on performance. I this, I that, I don't this, I don't that, I do this, I do that. I, 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 I. It's all self-confident boasting. And it all has to do with merit and performance. And that's how he thinks he got righteous. Jesus adds, the tax collector stood alone too. But when he prayed, he wouldn't even look up to heaven. He felt very humble before God. And he said, oh God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I tell you, when this man, the repentant man, finished his prayer and went home, he was right with God. But the Pharisee who felt he was better than others was not right with God. Why? Because he was basing his righteousness on merit and performance, not on grace. Amen? The tax collector here is like the prodigal son. And the Pharisee is the older brother. Same thing. The Pharisee is the older brother. Here he is again. There he is in another one of Jesus' parables. So Jesus uses the elder brother character to highlight, highlight for us what genuine Christianity is not. You want to know what genuine Christianity is not? It is not meritorious. It is not performance-based. True Christianity, as I said already, is grace-based. Righteousness is not a condition we earn. It's a gift we receive. Amen? Yeah. Our walk with the Father is not based on merit, but it's based on the shed blood of his only begotten Son who spilled his blood on the cross so that we could be declared righteous. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Yeah. So our righteousness doesn't come from jumping through all the right hoops. No, it comes when we say Jesus, like that man in the parable, Jesus, I can't even look up to heaven. I've sinned. I'm a sinner. I've broken God's laws. I've sinned against heaven and against you. Please forgive me. Because of the shed blood of Jesus, I come to the cross. What's the song say? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burden of my sin was rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. Amen? Yeah. Listen to Paul. You have been saved by grace because you believed. I'm going to read that again. You have been saved by grace because you believed. You did not save yourselves. I'm reading Ephesians 2, 8, 9. 2 and 8 and 9. 
You did not save yourselves. Everybody say, I did not save myself. No, no. It was a gift from God. It was a gift from God. You are not saved, he goes on to say, by the things you have done. No, not by jumping through the herbs, not by performance or merit. So there is nothing for us to boast about regarding our salvation. We can't say, well, yesterday I went out and found the Lord. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't find the Lord. The Lord found you. You didn't find the Lord. If the Lord hadn't found you, you'd still be out there in the dark. You wouldn't be sitting in church. You're sitting in church because the Lord's hunted you down. He, he's the hound of heaven. He backed you into a corner. You remember how it happened, whatever your context was. He backed you into a corner. He convicted you of sin, and you cried out. And when you said, Jesus, forgive me, based on your shed blood on the cross, then he forgave you, and you were declared righteous, and it was none of you, and it was all of him. Every scintilla of salvation is God's work. Listen to Hebrews. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place, how, everybody, read it with me, by the blood of Jesus, how do we enter in? By the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way. Let's approach God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. So how do we enter into the holy place? How do we experience righteousness? How do we enter into fellowship with God? By the blood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Even though you may be really wonderful, really something, you may have 30 degrees. You may have given millions to feed the poor. You may be a great neighbor, an incredible dad or mom, incredible employee, a sterling American. You may be all those things, but it won't get you in. I mean, folks, it won't get you in. God's not going to go, well, everybody else is going to hell, but you're something else. I'm so impressed with you. I mean, you're an exception to the rule. No, it'll never happen. When we go before him, what's our defense going to be? The blood of Jesus. What's our deliverance going to be? The blood of Jesus. What is our entry going to be? The blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So the elder brother is trapped in deception. He believes his whole relationship is based on performance and merit. So he doesn't understand the Father. And he stumbles over his mercy. And he stumbles over his forgiveness. And he shows himself to be quite unlike him. Now, why did Jesus add the elder brother into the story of the prodigal son? Because he could have stopped with the prodigal son coming home. Why did he continue and tell us about the elder brother? I'm going to tell you why. Because he's a danger to us all. That's why. Not that we will encounter an elder brother type but that we would become like him. It happens when you've been in Christ for a while. Yeah, I, I, was, I went to Albertsons, and I got out of Albertsons, and, and I noted that a tattoo shop had been opened up a couple of doors down from Albertsons, and there were some gnarly-looking people hanging around outside, smoking, covered in tattoos, shaved heads. And you know what I thought to myself? 
I'm going to be honest with you. I thought, huh, I'm so glad I'm not like them. Because I've been walking with God a long time. And that's the danger. When you walk with God a long time, he sets you free, gets you on your feet. You have a tendency, the elder brother can slip in on you and get into you where because you're clean now and because you're walking right now, you're better. You forget from whence you have come. You forget from whence you have come. And you start looking down on people who are out there in sin. And, and <laughs> I, 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 almost, I, I said to myself, what a, what a motley crew. And I was just going to walk into Albertsons and the Holy Spirit. How many of you know the Holy Spirit's always right there with you for, for, for good or, or, or for chastening? Anyway, as soon as I thought that to myself, the Holy Ghost said, you've got a two-by-four in your eye. I said, no, I don't. He said, yes, you do. Because you just judged them, and you used to be just like them, only you had hair down to here, and you wore the, the hip-hugger, bell-bottom blue jeans. But, but when people looked at you back then, they thought the same thing you're thinking now about them. And I said, Lord, forgive me. I shouldn't have done it. And God nailed me right there that the elder brother had slipped in on me, and I'd rather be like the father. Some of you are going, I'm so glad that never happens with me. Listen, yes, it does. <laughs> So let me ask you a question. Are we a soul-winning church? Yes. Do you want to reach the culture? Do you? Let me tell you what can't be here, the elder brother. He can't be here. That spirit, that attitude can't be here. Um, Friday, I was on a panel, um, a Zoom um, recorded interview on transgenderism. And on the panel was a, the president of, of the National Pediatrics Association, a lifelong pediatrician, and ha, had been in medicine all of his life, brilliant man. On the panel was a, a, an attorney with a nationwide uh, legal ministry where he helps churches pro bono who get in trouble. And two former transgenders were there. In case you don't know, a transgender is someone who is born with either male or female, and they are convinced that they are something else. A man will say, I'm born a man, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body, and vice versa, the woman will say that. But these two had been delivered, and they were very, very articulate, and they were talking about how they got into it. And, and, and one of them said, what healed me was when I got into a church that didn't try to fix me immediately, but just loved me where I was. And that's what hit me. Now, now watch. If you're not care, if, if, if you don't watch it, somebody comes in who's very unlike you. And they sit there. And the first thing they're wondering is, can they love me? Or are they going to try to immediately fix me? And if they can't fix me, I'm out. And God talked to me about this. If we're going to reach this culture, let me tell you something. Our culture is in a place that would make the prodigal son blush. So when they come in, 
If we, if we say, oh, well, we want to reach the culture, but how are they going to be treated when they come in? So, so what God said to me is, I want you to talk about the elder brother, and I want you to tell them, and I'm telling you, Jeff, you can't have the elder brother in you and reach the culture. Because you will say, harumph, like I did with those tattooed kids outside. And God will have to convict us. So not just trans, folks, I don't know if you're aware of it, but the transgender deal and all of that, all of that confusion is knocking on every door of every church. So not just that, but if prostitutes came in, if, if, if blue hair, pink hair, purple hair, no hair, covered in tattoos, how are they going to be treated here? See, what I want to say is we got to be careful we don't let the elder brother in. How many of you, listen, I was freaky. Oh, I was freaky. I walked into one church right after I got saved that, that somebody had said, oh, there's a great big church down the street, Jeff. This is right after I got saved and I had hair down to here. I was a hippie. Uh, you know, the, the song came out, are you a boy or are you a girl? Yeah, boy, you look like a girl. Well, I didn't look like a girl in my face, or anything, but I had the hair. And a lot of people in my culture had a problem with that and thought that I was freaky looking. And I walked into this church in my blue jeans and a, a pullover shirt, and I, and I sat down, and I was immediately aware. No one was saying hi. No one was coming up to me. No one was receiving me because I didn't have on a suit. Do now. <laughs> didn't have on a suit. Didn't look like them didn't talk like them, didn't come from their background, and I was out. And I got up, and I walked out before the message was even finished. I walked out, and I said, Lord, if that's church, no thank you. Because I wasn't raised in church. That's the first church I walked into, and they rejected me. You know why? The elder brother was there. We want the father here who says, come home. Can we stand together? I see Ed and Lynn back there. Hello, Ed and Lynn. They go all the way back to the early 70s with me. And when I met Ed and Lynn, they were freaky. <laughs> I was already, I was teaching the Word of God, but they were driving around the country in a, in a VW bus or something like that. They were hip by hippie. And they came into our Bible study, and they were freaky. I even thought to myself, freaky. But we love them. We receive them. And they've been with me all these years now, 40-plus years now. Yeah. So how many of you have heard me today? You understand what I'm saying about what we need in our church. Amen? Yes. How many of you have had the elder brother sneak up on you and your attitude? And Come on, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Yeah. I looked for those kids when I came back out of the store and they were gone because I was going to go up to them and tell them about Jesus and they were gone. But God sure got a hold of me. Anyway, let's pray that the elder brother has no place at turning point. Can we do that? Father, in Jesus' name, we see this story is so powerful. You added it to the parable so that we would see this and watch out for the elder brother because he's not like you. He's not like you, Lord. He's the antithesis of you. And we want to be more like you. Pray with me, church, and say, Lord, help me 
to not look down on people not like me people who are in deep sin people who are in a bondage I've not known help me to love them not to put a seal of approval on the sin but to love them in the sin in Jesus name can we lift our hands and just thank Jesus for helping us today if you want to be a soul winning nation reaching church let's just thank him right now that the elder brother is not here the elder brother the elder brother that's right thank you Lord thank you Lord